Good evening. Omicron is most likely in New York. Was the anime convention last week a super spreader? Biden's budget, abortion, and the privatization of Medicare. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the WBAI News for Thursday, December 2nd, 2021. Omicron is on the hunt, but Delta is still the dominant mutant strain of the coronavirus plaguing the world. 334 people were hospitalized with COVID-19 in Maine, one of the hot spots, and the illness is spiking in the Midwest and the rest of New England as well. Meanwhile, the United States recorded its first known Omicron infection on Wednesday in a fully vaccinated person who had returned to California from South Africa, where the variant was first identified just over a week ago. Two more United States cases were confirmed today. A Colorado woman who had recently traveled to Southern Africa and a Minnesota man who had attended an anime convention in New York City just before Thanksgiving held at the Javits Center. It drew an estimated 50,000 people. Minnesota officials say he had no history of international travel, suggesting the variant is spreading within the United States. Earlier today, President Joe Biden announced the government's COVID strategy for the winter. But first, he made an odd aside, jokingly asking if White House COVID advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci was really the one in charge. And to our vaccine research center, to thank all of you, the world class doctors, scientists, researchers, for the incredible work you've done during the pandemic. Developing vaccines, uh, saving lives, giving us hope. Also, continuing to give me advice on uh, developments as they occur. I've seen more <laughs> of Dr. Fauci than I have my wife. We kid each other, but uh, they look, who's president? Fauci. Um, but all kidding aside, I, I sincerely mean it. Today, I'm back to announce our action plan to battle COVID-19 this winter. Not that any of us are surprised any of you because it's the com combined advice from all of you that we developed this plan. And it doesn't include shutdowns or lockdowns, but widespread vaccinations and boosters and testing and a lot more. Expanding the nationwide booster campaign with more outreach, providing boosters shots for up to 110 million Americans who are eligible for boosters. There is an expectation that 30% of the non-vaxxers under no circumstances would I get a vaccination because of the new variant are now saying I'm going to get a vaccination. So we hope that's true. I hope that's true. Launching new family vaccination clinics to make it easier for children, parents and whole families to get vaccinated into one place. Making free at-home tests more available than ever before and having them covered by your private insurance plans, increasing our surge response team that our, our doctors, our nurses. And there were even other things the president laid out, but that was the basis of most of them. Separately, the White House press secretary, Jen Psaki, described the Minnesota case in more detail of Omicron. There's an individual, adult male, a resident of Hennepin County. Uh, he had been vaccinated. The person developed mild symptoms, as you noted, on November 22nd and sought uh, COVID-19 testing on November 24th. The person's symptoms have resolved. The person spoke with the Minnesota Public Health Department investigators and reported traveling to New York City and attending the anime New York City 2021 convention at the Javits Center from the 19th through the 21st. Any contact tracing, which is imperative and important, would be done through the CDC and public health officials as well. We have been very transparent 
hopefully you would all agree about providing that information as it becomes available. It typically becomes through public health departments. They often provide it themselves first, but we are in close touch every single day with state and local public health authorities. Jen Psaki. As the governor said, there is uh, much unknown. Uh, pardon me. And New York State Governor Kathy Hochul provided more details on the case from the Anime Convention and then introduced the state's new health commissioner, Mary T. Bassett. But we understand that this individual, while they were vaccinated, they have very mild symptoms. And in fact, those symptoms have already resolved. That is good news. And what we want to make sure we know is that there is one way to address this. New Yorkers get vaccinated get boosted, and get ready. We do anticipate there'll be more cases, but to the extent that they are mild, we'll address them. This is not cause for alarm. Again, it was foreseen ever since was first uh, reported out of South Africa that we knew it would come to New York State at some point. And ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce Mary T. Bassett, the new commissioner of the Department of Health. Thank you. If we needed any more evidence that public health is also rooted in social justice, COVID also gave us that. COVID literally pulled back the curtain on enduring and unaddressed inequities. Confronting this pandemic is a top priority, but it's not just a novel virus. This virus found its way through our failures, failure to ensure the right to health care services, failure to assure available and high quality primary care in tackling obesity and other chronic conditions. COVID accelerated the what's become a relentless uh, tide of overdose deaths. And in our nation, all of these track along the problem of racism. We recently showed nationally among adults in this country in prime working age years that nearly 90% of deaths among people of color would not have occurred if we had death rates that are equivalent to that of white college educated individuals. So it may seem like COVID has really opened up a Pandora's box. I hope that all of you remember that there was something left in that box, and that was hope. I have enormous hope about our ability to tackle this big picture. The new director of the uh, New York City Department of Health, the new commissioner, Mary T. Bassett. And as the governor said, there is much unknown about the Omicron variant. It is more contagious than various uh, than previous versions. Does it make people sicker? And will Omicron or more uh, and will Omicron more easily thwart the vaccine or break through natural immunity? Two years into the outbreak, COVID-19 has killed over 780,000 Americans and deaths are running at about 900 a day. The current uh, dormant strain or dominant strain of COVID known as Delta is causing about 86,000 new infections per day. The current uh, strain, uh, pardon me, and is hospitalizing as many as ever, although deaths are down and symptoms in vaccinated people who get the disease have been milder. And in national news, in Oakland County, Michigan, prosecutor Karen McDonald says the parents of a boy who is accused of killing four students at a Michigan school went far beyond negligent by leaving the gun used in the shooting freely available to their 15-year-old son, Ethan Crumbly. He's been charged as an adult with two dozen crimes, including murder, attempted murder, and terrorism for a shooting Tuesday at Oxford High School in Oakland County, about 30 miles north of Detroit. Four students were killed and seven more people were injured 
including a student who remained in critical condition. According to investigators, the semi-automatic gun was purchased legally by Crumbly's father last week. Sheriff Mike Bouchard disclosed Wednesday that the parents met with school officials about their son's classroom behavior just a few hours before the shooting. Police say Crumbly emerged from a bathroom with a gun firing at students in the hallway. It's rare in the United States for parents to be charged for leaving guns easily accessible to children. Michigan doesn't even uh, doesn't even have a law requiring guns be locked away from kids. And a decade ago, Connecticut saw its own mass shooting at the Sandy Hook Elementary School that left 28 dead, including 20 children. Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy laid some of the blame on Republicans for the mass shootings that have plagued the country for decades. He says the GOP cares more about eliminating reproductive choice and keeping kids safe. I understand that my Republican colleagues have very strong views on issues related to abortion. But I listened to my Republican colleagues come down here one after another today and talk about the sanctity of life. At the very moment that moms and dads in Michigan were being told that their kids weren't coming home because they were shot at school due to a country that has accepted gun violence due to Republicans' fealty to the gun lobby. Do not lecture us about the sanctity, the importance of life when 100 people every single day are losing their lives to guns, when kids go to school fearful that they won't return home because a classmate will turn a gun on them, when it is in our control whether this happens. You care about life? Then get these dangerous military-style weapons off the streets, out of our schools. You care about life? Make sure that criminals don't get guns by making sure that everybody goes through a background check in this country. This only happens in the United States of America. There's no other nation in the high-income world in which kids worry about being shot when they go to school. It happens here in America because we choose to let it happen. We're not unlucky. This is purposeful. This is a choice made by the United States Senate to sit on our hands and do nothing while kids die. Pardon me. And that is the Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy. Meanwhile, dozens of schools in southeastern Michigan canceled classes today after threatening messages turned up on social media following the Oxford shooting. On and more action on Capitol Hill, the House passed a bill this afternoon funding the government through February 18th and avoiding a short-term shutdown after midnight on Friday. The Democratic-led House passed the measure by a 221 to 212 vote. The Republican leadership urged members to vote no. The lone GOP vote for the bill came from Illinois Representative Adam Kinzinger. Earlier in the day, President Biden promised there would be no government shutdown. Will there be a government shutdown on Friday, sir? Silly question. Well, <laughs> say, I, I, look, I don't believe that will happen. We have everything in place to be able to make sure there is not a shutdown unless some individual not I spoke with Mitch McConnell, spoke to Schumer. There is a plan in place unless somebody decides to be totally erratic. 
And the no vote from Republicans is fueled by opposition to Biden's vaccine rules, forcing federal employees to get a jab if they want to get paid. The longest shutdown in history happened under President Donald Trump, 35 days, stretching into January 2019, when Democrats refused to approve money for his U.S.-Mexico border wall. But this time, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell says there will be no shutdown. And just hours after the United States Supreme Court concluded historic arguments over abortion, a federal appeals court signaled it might be willing to allow yet another restrictive ban to go into effect. Earlier this year, a three-judge panel on the 6th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals temporarily halted banning abortion in Tennessee once cardiac activity is detected in an embryo at around six weeks. But late uh, yesterday, the appeals court said it would vacate that ruling and instead schedule a rehearing before the full court. While the state law will remain on pause because of a lower court ruling, the move marked yet another rapid turn in the ongoing battle over abortion access currently being fought inside the country's judicial system. With at least half the states ready to ban abortions as soon as the 1973 decision known as Roe v. Wade is overturned. The White House says it's time for Congress to act. Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Is the White House concerned that this Supreme Court is about to overturn Roe v. Wade? And what, if anything, are you doing to prepare for that possibility? Well, I'm not going to make an assessment of how the Supreme Court will rule. But what I will say is that the president is committed to working with Congress to codify the constitutional right to safe and legal abortion as protected by Roe. Uh, he's announced his strong support for passage of the Women's Health Protection Act, urges Congress to pass it. Uh, and, and again, I would reiterate uh, something I conveyed yesterday, that he believes that Mississippi's law blatantly violates women's constitutional rights to safe and legal abortion. Every American deserves access to health care, including reproductive health care. Uh, we're not going to predetermine how the Supreme Court will rule, but he supports codifying Roe uh, through Congress. That's something that they can act to do. You think that's a real possibility? There is a bill currently, the Women's Health Protection Act, uh, and he urges Congress to pass it. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. In more health news, new autism numbers released today suggest more United States children are being diagnosed with the developmental condition and at younger ages. In an analysis of 2018 data from nearly a dozen states, researchers at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention found that among eight-year-olds, one in 44 have been diagnosed with autism. That rate compares with one in 54 identified with autism in 2016. U.S. autism numbers have been on the rise for several years, but experts believe that reflects more awareness and wider availability of services to treat the condition rather than a true increase in the number of affected children. A separate CDC report also released today says children were 50% more likely to be diagnosed with autism by age four in 2018 than in 2014. At the other end of the age spectrum, the venerable United States Health Program for Seniors is under attack as never before. That says uh, Chair Kay Tillo of Kentuckians for Single-Payer Health Care. You may remember New York City has come under fire for shunting Medicare and city health recipients into privately run Advantage plans that cover about 48% of Medicare recipients. Till says the uh, remaining 52% may be swept up into another privatization scheme called direct contract entities. Their advantage is terrible, and the direct contracting entities are even worse. I have it myself, and what's terrible about it? I haven't really got to use it, but uh, one day I might. <laughs> well, that's, if you don't use it, then you, you may be able to save money because the monthly premium is lower. 
but once you have to use it, you run into all of the problems, narrow networks where you can't get to the doctors you need or the the facilities that you need, the hospitals or rehab centers, and prior authorization. The Medicare Advantage uh, requires that not just the doctor sees you and uh, prescribes something, but it has to be authorized before it can happen. And the rate of denials of care for Medicare Advantage plans is fantastic. They're cheating Medicare and they're cheating the patients. They've got billions that they make off of our Medicare plan, which is one of the reasons why the premium on Part B is going up. What is Medicare direct contracting? That is a newer program. Medicare Advantage has been around a longer time, and it's privatized about 42%. But Medicare direct contracting is new, and it's set up under the uh, Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation. And it began in 2021. There are 53 direct contracting entities. They are hedge funds. They are venture capitalists. They are uh, insurance companies, all kinds of things. And they are middlemen that go between the patient and the Medicare payment. And the worst thing about it is that people who have chosen to be in traditional Medicare uh, rather than Medicare Advantage, are put into these without their consent. In other words, they are aligning people in these entities to profit off of them as a way, they say, of saving money. The reality is if they save money at all, it will be at the expense of the patients. The Republicans attacked it saying there would be death panels, but what you're describing is is that an ongoing death panel of sorts if you can't get the treatment you want <laughs> well I, I don't know what to call it i would say that they are schemes supposedly done on the basis of cost you know our country spends more per capita than any other nation does and so there's an effort to control cost but they're trying to co- control cost on the basis that they think, that's the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation, that people are getting too much care, when the reality is the opposite. We're not getting enough care. And we need to control the cost by removing the for-profit entities and saving all of that that's wasted in administrative expenses so that they can make a profit. Why would they put middlemen increase costs by doing that? Why not go direct? This is a section of the Affordable Care Act that says that they've got to come up with models to try to save money. And the tragedy is, is that it's under the radar. People are not aware of it, that we are in danger of losing Medicare totally. And of course, for those of us who believe that the only way we can get to full care for everyone is through an improved Medicare for all, national single payer plan the destruction of medicare is terrible and it's happening right now and no one is saying anything what's president biden's position on this 
Well, I don't think he's taken a position that I'm aware of. He's not even talking about it. These models can be implemented on the say-so of the Center for Medicare Services, which is Xavier Becerra, who's appointed by Biden, and he has said nothing about it. So we are in big trouble, and that's why we really need to get the word out and let people know that Medicare is really, really endangered. The government is sending us to all the, the sharks out there. It's a terrible thing, and people shouldn't be limited. People should be able to choose their physician and where they go. And there shouldn't be such a thing as a network. You know, that was what was good about traditional Medicare, was almost all the physicians take it, all the, all the uh, nursing homes and rehab centers and hospitals take it. So that's being done away with, that freedom to be able to go uh, where you want, where you choose to go, and it's just being handed over to the sharks where, where um, it's just going to be profited from. Kay Tillo is chair of Kentuckians for single-payer health care. And United States and Mexican officials said today that the Biden administration will restart a controversial Trump-era border program forcing asylum seekers to wait in Mexico for immigration hearings to get into the United States in keeping with a federal court order. Biden ended the Trump policy known as the Migrant Protection Protocol soon after his inauguration in January as part of a promise to implement what he called a more humane approach to immigration. But a federal judge ruled Biden's decision didn't follow proper procedure and in August ordered the policy reinstated. White House Press Secretary uh, Jen Psaki said the administration is caught up in the paradox of enforcing a policy it opposes, but has changed it as much as possible. The president continues to believe that MPP has endemic flaws, uh, imposed unjustifiable human costs, pulled resources and personnel away from other priority efforts. That's why we have we ended the program. What's why the secretary of Homeland Security has repeatedly issued memos uh, expressing the point of view of the administration. As you noted, uh, this is a court uh, uh, order issue uh, that we are implementing. The Department of Homeland Security uh, can speak to the specific aspects of this, but they did announce some key changes to the program being announced to address some humanitarian concerns. Uh, it's in the courts currently, so that's where it is. But even as we are in a position where we have to implement it, we, we made some changes that they can detail in more uh, further detail. And Jen Psaki, the changes were laid out in a news release from the Department of Homeland Security. It includes a commitment to co uh, conclude legal proceedings within six months of returning to Mexico and opportunities for uh, folks in the program to secure access to and communicate with lawyers and uh, interviews in immigration uh, at immigration uh, uh, interviews and other court hearings. Um, as Donald Trump's campaign sought to overturn his shocking loss of the state of Georgia in the 2020 presidential election, it hatched a conspiracy theory. At its center were two alleged masterminds, a clerical worker in a county election office and her mom, who had taken a temporary job to help count ballots. The alleged plotters, Wandrea Shea Moss and Mother Ruby Freeman, cheated Trump, according to the story that was spread by the Trump campaign, by pulling fake ballots from suitcases hidden under tables at a ballot counting center. In early December, the campaign began raining down allegations on the two black women. Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, falsely claimed that video footage showed the women engaging in surreptitious illegal activity and acting suspiciously like drug dealers passing out dope. Those are 
Giuliani's quotes. In early January, Trump himself singled out Freeman by name 18 times in a now famous call in which he pressed Georgia officials to alter the state's results. He called the 62-year-old temp worker a professional vote scammer, a hustler, and a known political operative who had stuffed ballot boxes. Freeman made a series of 911 emergency calls in days after she was publicly identified in early December by the president's camp. In a December 4th call, she told the dispatcher she got in a flood of threats and phone calls and racial slurs, adding, it's scary because they're saying stuff like, we're coming to get you, we're coming to get you. Two days later, they returned. Somebody slamming on the door again. Oh, they screaming. He's still slamming on the door. Okay. You see a on the door. Lord Jesus, where's the police? They are on the way, ma'am. Oh, God. I have over 75 text messages and, like I said, over 300 emails. And I had to shut down my Facebook account. They're tagging my friends and saying, you know your friend do that. You know, it's, it's, it's hard, but it's scary. Because they're saying stuff like, we're coming to get you, you know, we're coming to get you. And, and um, you know, what kind of bird are you, a jailbird? You get it? You know, just all kind of stuff. That was Ruby Freeman, who was uh, got on the receiving end of uh, former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani and Trump lawyer. Um, and Donald Trump himself, who decided to single them out for this kind of treatment. Meanwhile, the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol riot voted yesterday to recommend contempt charges against former Justice Department official Jeffrey Clark, making him the second associate of former President Donald Trump. The committee's taken action against for failing to comply with its investigation. On a resolution recommending that the House of Representatives find Jeffrey Bosett Clark in contempt of Congress for refusal to comply with a subpoena duly issued by the select committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. A year ago right now, while Mr. Clark was bound by the oath, all an all-out attack on the Constitution was underway. The former president was waging a campaign to overturn the results of the election his allies were looking for ways to get around the Constitution and keep him in power. It appears Mr. Clark was central to that effort. According to multiple sources, Mr. Clark was asked by then-President Trump to take over the role of Attorney General, in part so he could issue a series of letters falsely suggesting that the Department of Justice believed the presidential election may have been stolen. As the chairman indicated, in the last hour, Mr. Clark's attorney has told us that Mr. Clark would be willing to appear at another deposition and that he plans to assert his Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination. Mr. Chairman, on this vote, there are nine ayes and zero noes. The motion is agreed to. Representatives Benny Thompson and Liz Cheney, the unanimous vote against Clark comes weeks after its members voted unanimously for contempt charges against Steve Bannon. And that's some of the news for Thursday, December 2nd, 2021. The news producer Linda Perry, our engineers Reggie Johnson from New York City. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening.